God, we come before you, Lord, and we ask, Lord, I ask that you could be with me, Lord, to help me to share, Lord, the things that you want me to share, to be real with everyone here, and I pray that you would just uh, bless this time that we have together. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so I don't have much time. Ooh, I only have like 10 minutes, and I'm supposed to teach a message, so on end times. How about this? Let me reverse it. Do you guys have any questions about end times things? There's a lot. <laughs> a lot. You guys have a lot. You guys have a lot. I just, yeah, I did. I did. Okay. Um, let me hit just one or two. What's the, what's the layout for, for end times? For end times. All right. So the, the typical, the typical layout for how the, Bible describes the end times events. So the book of Revelation would be first we're in the church age, which is today. We're in the age of the church. This is the age of grace. This is the age where God is trying to, it is, is saving people before he removes sin. Right? He's going to remove sin. That's the whole point of end times is the removal of all sin of everything wicked, of everything wrong, of everything bad. That is the entire point of the end times. But before God does that, before God does that, he's got to save people. Why? Because if God removes all the sin in the world now, today, if God removes all the sin in the world today, he'd have to remove you, right? He'd have to take you away. Unless you've been saved through God's grace. Unless you've trusted Jesus to be your savior. So we're in this age of grace right now, right? It's been a good 2,000 years. Jesus said, I'm coming soon. I'm coming quickly. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here are the signs to look out for. These are the things to look out for. And so that's the things I want to be sharing more about um, in the next coming weeks when we get the chance to be talking about those next signs that are going to be taking place, those warnings that Jesus said uh, will show that we're in end times, which, by the way, literally every single thing that Jesus described that were the warning signs are 100% happening. And even some of the things that Jesus said are, like, straight up end times events are literally, like, already, like, forming and happening. So it's, like, even beyond just the warning signs, like, the literal events are literally starting to happen. And so I want to start talking more about that. Um, I think it's interesting. It's a mind blow when you see all those things come together. But, so we're in this age of grace right now. We're in this church age. And then the next event is the rapture. Well, that's what we're looking forward to, right? We're looking forward to the rapture of the church. The rapture uh, is... Speaking of when suddenly Jesus comes to take the church away. And this is not a big boom moment. This is a like quick gathering, quiet, blink of an eye, it happens. It's not, a, it's not the trumpet. It's not, so you, oftentimes mixed is the rapture and the second coming of Jesus. Don't mix the two. They're two different events. Rapture is quiet. It's taking the church. The second coming is like the opposite. It's loud. It's a trumpet. The, it says that the, the, the earth, the, that the sky 
is like peeled back like a scroll. It's, and then Jesus is not coming to take the church. He's coming to destroy sin in the world. So pretty different events um, taking place. So don't mix the two um, t- together. But you'll read verses that say, I am coming quickly, right? So you have to use your Bible nerd skills to discern, is he speaking about the second coming or is he speaking about the rapture? That makes sense? Cool. So then the rapture, um, then what takes place after the rapture, who knows? What kind of kicks it all off? So traditionally, um, based off of the book of Daniel, um, basically from chapter 7 to chapter 9, we see that the Antichrist forms some sort of a covenant, which we believe that that covenant is going to create this peace treaty between the Jews and the Palestinians, which is going to allow for the temple to be rebuilt because the temple has to be be rebuilt because in the middle of the tribulation, a lot of talking, in the middle of the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to stand up and he is going to be in the temple and he's going to declare himself to be God, which is called the abomination of? Wow, look, you guys know that one. Yeah, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about it. Um, the event is also spoken about in the book of Daniel, um, chapter 9, as well. So that's the abomination of desolation. But how many of you guys know who the Antichrist is? Well, not like who he literally is, not like the name, but like the role. How many of you guys know the role of the Antichrist? How many of you guys need like, maybe a refresher on that one? Refresher on the Antichrist? Okay, so the Antichrist... Uh, here's, let me actually tell you, um, if you guys want to take notes, I'm going to actually list out to you the characteristics biblically of who the Antichrist actually is. Ready? Almost? Ready? Okay, so I'm going to describe to you, um, basically I'm going to be coming from Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 11, and 2 Corinthians chapter, um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Those are the key verses for if you're wanting to do a study on the Antichrist. I highly recommend doing a study on Christ first before you study the Antichrist. But the key verses for the Antichrist that are mentioned is Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 11, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now there's some things that all of them agree on, or not agree on, but all of them say the same thing. Then there's some where like a couple of them say this. And then there's some where just like this verse points out this thing. You know what I mean? Okay. So one thing across the board that we know 100% about the Antichrist, his characteristic is going to be that the Antichrist is going to be, uh, oh wait, I should just say this. Generally, Antichrist literally just means someone who's against Christ. That's the general term. But when, we're, when, uh, when the Bible talks about the, the Antichrist, it's speaking about the one who's going to be leading the world against God. Eventually will become, at the, after the abomina- during the abomination of desolation, when he says, I am God, that is Satan at that point. So the Antichrist will be Satan at that halfway point. I don't know why I'm doing this, but you know, at that halfway, this means halfway point in neat sign language. I failed sign language in high school two times. I took sign language twice. I failed it both times, just so you know. Uh, Nate sign language, this is half times of the tribulation, so now you all know. Um, at that halfway point of the tribulation, the Antichrist will be 
Satan himself, and he's going to boast and make himself God. So that's the Antichrist, right? So here are the characteristics. Uh, based off of Daniel 7, 8, 11, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, across the board we see that he is uh, uh, ego, egotist. He is a, a bragger. He is a lot of what Donald Trump is like. <laughs> when you look at how Donald talks about himself, yeah, um, very uh, self-centered and brags about it. That's a characteristic of Antichrist. So, hey, if you have that characteristic, you're not being Christ-like. You're being Antichrist-like. So look out. Blasphemer of God is the other one that is completely across the board about the Antichrist, that he is going to be a blasphemer of God. Now, this is where we need to be a little careful here because right off the bat, we're going to think, okay, this just means that someone who, he's going to be like saying the Lord's name in vain all the time. He's going to be cussing out God. He's going to hate God. He might be an atheist. That's not true because we know that the Antichrist is going to have most likely some sort of a Jewish background, probably believes in God. Um, and it's also very possible that the Antichrist could be a Christian. So, when it says blasphemer of God, what we maybe need to be looking out for is that this could just be um, very, very deceptive. Very, very deceptive. Where he is claiming to be one of us, but is not. So, blasphemer of God, there's a lot of... Um, the word blasphemy, actually, fun fact, is the exact opposite word of the word gospel. Um, gospel is a Greek word, so is the word blasphemer. Um, you know how, what's, the, what's that mean, antonym? Is that antonym? So, synonym. No, synonym is the same. Yeah, you, come on. You guys are the ones in school. I haven't been in school in forever. Um, antonym, right, is the opposite. So um, the opposite word for gospel is blasphemy. So that kind of maybe points that picture to you. So he is like the opposite of good news <laughs> of God. Okay, that's across the board. Uh, contemptuous, contemptuous. That's also across the board. We need to go quick. In Daniel 7 and Daniel chapter 8 only, we see that he is a persecutor of believers. That he's going to persecute believers. Now, in the book of Revelation, we see that that persecution of believers is seeming like it's happening towards that last half of the tribulation. Seemingly, just an interpretation. We don't know. Um, just in Daniel chapter 8. Now, the next few characteristics I'm going to lay out for you is only Daniel chapter 8. Only. Um, that he's going to be insolent, deceptive, shrewd, demonic, destructive. Now, based off of Daniel chapter 8, in Daniel chapter 11, we see that he is willful. So he's... He's got a lot of plans, a lot of things he wants to do. Daniel chapter 11, we see too that he is sexually perverted. Also, based off of, oh wait, ooh, ooh, sorry, my bad. On the one that I said that he's demonic, also includes Second Th uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, my bad. As well as when I said in Daniel chapter 8 that he's destructive, also includes 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Sorry. You can sue me later. Um, 
So I said that he's willful, sexually perverted. Um, also from Daniel chapter 11, he's going to be a military, mil, mil, militarist. So very uh, into the military and war and fighting. Uh, and based off of Daniel chapter 11, last one, he's going to be a military, military materi materialist. <laughs> materialist. So very into his own, very into possessions in life. So these are the characteristics that I'd say are irrefutable. These are key characteristics. This is what we go off of. So based off of this, everything that we know all about the Antichrist, all the interpretations, is pretty much coming off of them interpreting from this here. Okay? Um, so yeah, so the Antichrist then um, is going to start some sort of a peace treaty. Now I'm kind of going into Revelation now. Starting some sort of peace treaty with kind of some of the events that are mentioned in, through Daniel um, 7 and um, on. He's going to form some sort of treaty our interpretation is that he's going to um, rebuild the temple because that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and that needs to happen. Then, after that takes place, we're going to see that there's some sort of a world peace thing that seems to take place. Then, we know at that halfway point of the tribulation, uh, the Antichrist Christ, Christ, takes like some like death blow, like he should have died from it. However, he is resurrected, comes back to life, and he is full-blown Satan at this point. And he is just, he is now focused on followers. This is the point where he then makes everyone take the number 666. It's the only way that you're going to be able to buy, the only way that you're going to be able to sell. Um, there's still going to be Christians around at this point, and those who do not take that number are going to be persecuted. And they are going to be the ones that they're going to be beheaded at that point. So, yeah, you don't want to be a Christian during the tribulation because, yeah, you're probably going to get your head chopped off um, because you're not following the Antichrist. Then, right towards the end, about seven years into the tribulation, there's a big trumpet blast and the sky rolls up. And there's a number, tons of people on white horses behind Jesus. And Jesus is coming to conquer. Now, if you want to read about that, that's talked about in Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah 63 talks about this as well as Daniel chapter, or Revelation chapter 19. You can kind of compare the verses together. And so we're going to come, but look it, we're not going to earth to like slay and get rid of sin. We're going to Jerusalem. We're going to be chilling in Jerusalem. And there's a thing called the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we're going to be waiting for Jesus at the dinner table. Meanwhile, um, in Isaiah chapter 63, I wrote this little side note that, that I love. That says, if you didn't accept Jesus' blood, Jesus is coming for your blood. Because he is going to tear it up. He is now, everyone made their decision not to follow Christ. And so now he's like, look it, grace was free. You chose to love yourself. You chose Satan. Let's go. And he removes, and he removes sin completely. Destroys sin and the sinners with it. Then puts Satan into a box. Now. <laughs> he puts Satan away for 1,000 years, which is now called also the millennial reign. For us, it's a millennial reign. For Satan, he's trapped for 1,000 years. 
and his demons and everything. So then there'll be 1,000 years where it's just um, kind of like heaven on earth. We're just in God's presence. Um, and then after those thousands a year, after that thousand year takes place after the millennial reign, Satan is then released. Pourquoi? Because the tribulation <laughs> saints, you're like, why? Why we? Because remember the tribulation saints? Well, they're going to go into heaven, but they're not going to have like their spiritual, they're not going to be like saved yet. They're still going to have their like human bodies still on earth. So that means they're still going to repopulate, right? They're going to still have babies and they're going to have children. And, and within a thousand years, those babies are going to have babies and those babies are going to have babies and those babies are going to have babies. There's going to be plenty of people, plenty of humans still on earth who still need to make a decision, right? They still need to make a free will. For us, we'll have our heavenly bodies. We're, we're uh, in heaven. Um, we're with Christ. We don't have to worry about this decision anymore. For us, it's eternity, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's all over the Bible. Eternal life is in Jesus. So, uh, so we're going to be in heaven, like celebrating eternal life. Meanwhile, humans there are going to have to make their decision. After the thousand-year reign, Satan is then released, and then um, Satan is then going to deceive and cause a lot of these humans to follow him again. This is when the final and last battle takes place. Again, <coughs> Revelation chapter 19 um, and even parts of 20 are going to be talking about that. Uh, so if you want to further study that even more on your own time, when that happens um, in Revelation chapter 19 and 20, or yeah, 19 and 20, we see that Satan gathers these last bit of humans together who, um, and they're going to choose to follow Satan again. They're going to have this last final battle, and literally just like an angel is like, shut it. <laughs> and they're dead. They're all gone. And then um, coming from heaven is a new heaven and a new earth. From that point, eternity at that point. So there we are. That is it. Right? Okay. Um, that took like the time right there. Why don't we now go and I'll share my testimony another time. Um, <laughs> so um, that'll work out because maybe there'll be a time that um, someone has to cancel on me. So I'll save it for then and I can be that backup. So why don't we go and we'll break off the